0: Gary and Donna Rouse, where are you guys? God bless you, you're visiting from Calgary. Let's give them a hand. Let's welcome them, amen? Man, we had some shoeboxes this year, hey? Isn't God good? You know, I can tell you from first-hand experience that those things affect kids' lives in ways that we can't even possibly comprehend. When you understand that a kid has nothing and they get pencil crayons and a notebook and... A ball to play with that they've never had before. I've seen it when we were in Mozambique. And so you may think, well, why are we doing that? I'm telling you, it makes a difference. And then the teaching and training that happens afterwards with those kids who receive those boxes often brings them into a a saving faith with Jesus Christ. So we're thankful to partner with this ministry. And uh, it's wonderful to be part of our church family. Amen. Uh, So we've been on a series and uh, Really, the series is just a platform that helps us to preach and to teach, and and I told the church uh, last year's annual meeting that, you know, this year we really wanted to focus on discipleship, so we're in a year of discipleship, and we've decided as a framework to use three books, and they're called the Apprenticeship Series, and the first of those books is called The Good and Beautiful God, and we've been on this series for the last several weeks, and it's just been incredible. Uh, really, really enjoying it. And this sermon in particular, this week, I should say, uh, on God transforms. Last week, Pastor Matty just preached a great message on the holiness of God. And I thought to myself, my, Betty and I were listening to it because I have it on Audible, and uh, we were listening to the book, and we're thinking, you know, this really ties into God's intentions and thoughts for this week that God transforms. Listen to a couple quotes from last week. God is against my sin, Because he is for me. He is against anything that destroys the abundant life that God has for us. And then George MacDonald, the great Scottish theologian and poet, said this quote, Love loves us unto purity. Love loves us unto purity. You see, the goal of love, the goal of love is to see your life changed is to see you transformed into the image of god and that's an incredible thing to understand love loves us unto purity our second value as a church is accepting uh one another and ourselves and one another while we pursue maturity together in other words god accepts us right where we're at But he actually wants to mature us. He wants us to grow. He wants us to change. He wants us to be transformed. Why? He wants to take those things in my life and in your life that limit me, those broken areas of my life, and he wants to heal them, restore them, and change them so that they are into the image of God. Church, listen to me. This is a challenging message and an important message for you to take away today because I think the vast majority of Christians make a mistake. And this is the mistake. They think they are called by God to act like Jesus. It doesn't work. Actually, God doesn't want you to act like His Son, He wants to change you into the image of His Son. How many of you know there's a big difference between acting like Jesus and becoming like Jesus? Amen? And so that's what this message today is really about. You see, the problem with me sometimes is that I try to be like Jesus. Here I am, I'm over here, and I want to be like Jesus. He's my hero. And uh, he's saying, come on, Greg. And, you know, I think I've got it all together. I'm just going to keep going, keep going towards Jesus. And the harder I try, the more I seem to fail and fall and, and don't reach that ideal or that goal that God has for me. And sometimes that creates a problem in my life, And that problem can be I can become discouraged, and then instead of trying uh, to be honest about the fact that I'm discouraged, I try to pretend that I've got it all together. Have you ever been there before? Oh, everything's great. I got it all together. got it all figured out. And that's really what we can't do, and this is what God is warning us about. You know, we understand that everyone in this, you know, every one of us has made a decision to follow Jesus. And so, if you've done that, the Bible says that you're saved. And But how many of you know, even though you're saved, you still have some sin issues that you struggle with? Are Betty and I the only two here that... <laughs> apparently, honey, we, we haven't quite gotten, like, the rest of them. Okay. just Well, Betty, for you and I, this message... Okay, So the rest of you can just sit in our living room conversation between my wife and I today. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now listen, that word conform means to fashion myself to be alike, to look like, or to act like. You see, the pattern of this world, you guys, the pattern of the world is self-centeredness. And whether that self-centeredness is selfishness or self-righteousness, it's still self-centeredness. And and the Bible is saying don't conform to the pattern of the world. Don't live a a self-centered life, but live a God-centered life by being transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the pattern of the kingdom of God is different than the pattern of the world. The pattern of the kingdom of God says, I cannot do this on my own. I need God's help. And therefore, God is offering you a partnership with him. He's saying, I'm opening my kingdom life that I might come and dwell in you and empower you toward not only transformation, but toward living a life of fullness and and in, in, in all that God has for you. This is the hope of the kingdom of God. And many Christians have been discouraged because they think, I can't do this. The harder I try, the more it just shows me that I I really can't live the Christian life. And I think it's because we have a wrong thinking. See, that word transform is the word metamorpho, which is where we get our word metamorphosis from. It means a major change in the appearance or the character of someone or something. It is a thorough and dramatic change. It is a worm becoming a butterfly. How does that transformation occur? And how does God deal with the fact that I still have sin? If he wants to change me and transform me, and yet I still have these issues in my life that still need to change, how does God transform you and I? And if we can grasp what I have to say today, I'm telling you that it'll change your life. And it'll change the way you pursue God and what you think about. But I'm going to pray because I need help in communicating this. Amen? And you need help in receiving this. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, come, Holy Spirit, and teach us today. God, we desperately need eyes that see today. Ears that hear today, hearts that receive and respond to you today. Lord, I do pray for that spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better, to know the hope that you've called us to, and the glorious inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus, and the incomparably great power for us who believe. It's the power of transformation, the power of the resurrection. In Jesus' name. Amen. How do we change? How do we transform? Well, our text told us the very first thing is this. You need to have your mind renewed. You change by the renewing of our minds. Well, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that we're thinking wrongly. and The first area that we need our mind renewed into is the fact that you are a new creation. Listen to what this text now says. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. See, you're not just a sinner saved by grace. Something has happened supernaturally that we're not comprehending or understanding. That we've literally been transformed. The Bible says this we are now in Christ. And the fact is, the phrase in Christ occurs 164 times in the New Testament epistles, in the writings of Paul alone. 164 times, the Apostle Paul pleads with us to say, guys, you are in Christ. You are in Christ. Let me just read a couple of those scriptures. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians two thirteen. when you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave all of our trespasses. Galatians two nineteen and 20, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. You are in Christ. But here's the issue. This is how most Christians think, okay? Most Christians are here, and they're happy because, you know, they're friends of Jesus. And then something occurs in their life, and, uh, you know, they realize, I, I still have little sin issues. I have little problems in my life, and they're still kind of there all over my life, all these sin issues. So I'm kind of over here. And Jesus is watching me, and he's saying, come on, get it together, get it together, fix your life, fix your life. And we, what do we do? We try harder. We try harder, we try harder, and guess what happens? You get worse. And uh, if you, you want to prove this, try to crucify yourself. <laughs> it, don't try it. it uh, the pastor told me, no, d- Pastor didn't. You're, it's not going to work. You have already been crucified in Christ. So so most Christians see themselves over here, and Jesus is saying, come on, change, change, change. And we feel this voice, and we feel this condemnation. But the Bible says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. But what about my sins? You see, here's the difference between what the Bible says and what you say. Well, I'll get there in a minute. Just understand the false narrative is this. The wrong thinking is this. You would say to yourself at times, I am a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner just saved by grace. And there's some truth in that. And I understand that. But the Bible actually would change that narrative. And you need to understand you're not just over here apart from Christ. Because the true narrative is this I am a saint. I am a saint. (laughs) Listen to what it says. This isn't going to come up on your screen, but it just says in 1 Corinthians. It says, to the church and God in Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling with all who, in every place, who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord, and ours. Fifteen times in the New Testament, you are called saints. You are called saints. And that word saint means physically, blameless, morally pure. Now, how could that possibly be true? Because, Pastor Greg, I've got these sin issues, and if you don't know it, ask my wife, she will tell you. They are there. There's these things in my life that are wrong. So how can I be morally pure? Because you need to understand this is how God sees you. Hebrews 10, 14 says this incredible thing. Who by one sacrifice has made perfect forever? Those who are still being made holy. He's not cutting our arm off. He's just erasing the sins. Amen? And and you say, well, okay, Pastor Greg, how can God do that? Because God calls those things that are not as though they were. And therefore they are. So this is the difference between what we think our life looks like and what heaven sees our life like. Because you know what God says? You are in Christ. Now you still have all, there's a big smiley face. Yay! I'm in Christ. But I still have issues. How can I be in Christ? Because that's what God has said. This is what God has done. He's not treating you According to your sins, he's treating you according to the righteousness of his son. And if God sees anything other than Christ when he looks at you, you and I are in big trouble. Because I've, I've been translated from this kingdom... And brought into this kingdom. And let me prove that to you. Here's the scripture. Colossians 1.13. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness. And has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. Amen. You've been transferred from here to here. And this is how heaven sees you. You are in Christ. You have died. Your life has been removed from this realm and brought into this realm and transferred into that beautiful kingdom of God. It's like a blood butterfly. It is no longer a worm. Amen? And, and I love this. I love this thought. A worm goes into a chrysalis, which is a cocoon. It goes into a chrysalis and it becomes a butterfly. Do you know what the root word of chrysalis is? Christ. <laughs> the sinner goes into Christ, a sinner, and is transformed into a saint. Amen. This is how God sees you. You have been translated from this dark realm into the realm of the son that he loves, and now he's placed you in Christ. When he sees you, he sees you in Christ. Hallelujah. 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 You know, there's this guy, uh, let me find his name, A.J. Jacobs. A.J. Jacobs, and he writes a book called A Year of Biblical Living. A.J. Jacobs is a Jewish man, and he decided, I'm going to live a year biblically, and so he writes this book, and I I read the book, it's interesting, so he tries for the first several months to live a completely Old Testament life, and so he lives by all the laws in the Bible and everything, like he won't wear clothing that's mixed, he honors the Sabbath, he lives all these things, he does all this stuff, A.J. Jacobs, and... um, and then, he, so he's doing this biblical life, and it's quite funny story. Him telling about the things that he does, and then he decides, now I'm going to live as a Christian for the second part, because I'm going to live in the New Testament. So he goes in and he meets with a pastor, and he says, "I want to meet. I want to live as a Christian." And the pastor just listens to him, listens to him, and says, "Well, what you're saying is impossible." He's like, "What do you mean? You can't live as a Christian." Unless you have Christ in you. Until you've been translated from this realm and put into this realm, this life is impossible. So he still tries to live that life. But he doesn't understand that it's the empowerment of God and him being in Christ that makes all the difference. See, church, listen to me. The first act of transformation, this shouldn't shock us. Because you've already been translated. You've already had an understanding of this transformation. Because you've been taken from one realm and brought into another. And that realm is now that you are in Christ. The new birth. This is what it means to be born again. Now sin, listen to me. Sin still remains. But it doesn't reign any longer. It doesn't reign. Why? Why? I'm in a new kingdom, (laughs) and there's a new power source within me that helps me to start living and overcoming, and that's what we need to understand. Your mind needs to be renewed. How many of you know you need your mind renewed? You need some change in thinking, and if you're honest, like me, I think at times, I, 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 I think I'm here sometimes, but many times, I actually act like I'm here. And I try harder, and I try harder, and I try harder, and I can't change, and then I get frustrated, and then I act like I've changed, and how many of you know that's not good? That's called hypocrisy. That's what an actor does. He acts like something is real when it's not real. So we don't want to live there, do we? So transformation starts with the renewing of our mind. We need our mind renewed. Constantly, Greg needs to be reminded he is in Christ. Here's the second thing that happens in our lives as we are renewed. Respond to the Spirit in our new life partnership. So not not only do I need my mind renewed, now I need to respond to the Spirit's moving and working in my life. Because here's the incredible thing. Not only am I in Christ... But Christ has placed his Holy Spirit in me. How do you draw the Holy Spirit? Uh, A big heart. The heart's beating out of my chest, but... (laughs) Amen. You have have wings. You have wings inside of you that are causing you to fly. The Holy Spirit is in you. Are you with me? Amen? Amen. I should have had Andrea drawing on stage, and I would have been all okay, but this is the best Pastor Greg can do. This is why he's the preacher and not the drawer. Amen. Amen. Guys, you have a new life partnership. This is the whole thing. You've entered into a new story. You've been translated from one realm into another realm. And now God is inviting you. This is the life of the Christian. He's inviting you into partnership with his Holy Spirit. And he's saying, guys, I want to pour within you. You've been translated from brokenness and sin and the realm of sin and death and brought into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. But not only have I brought you in, and now I've placed a seed, the Spirit of God within you who is going to empower you to live. Of this life. Hallelujah. This is the power of what God has done. You know, it says in Romans 8, chapter, verse 2, chapter 8, a new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a magnificent wind, has cleared the air, freeing me from a life-fated lifetime, a brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. You see, Romans 8, Seven basically says, who will rescue me from this body of death? Seven times, or sorry, 21 times in seven verses, the Apostle Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. I keep repeating the same things, and then he cries out and he says, who will rescue me from this body of death? And the scripture answers, praise be to God, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. In the law that I was powerless to do, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man in order to eradicate sin in me. And it caused me to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the hope of the kingdom. This is what God has done. This is how heaven sees you. Now, I know this is true, you guys. It's so true. Hallelujah. When I was first born again, eight days before my 21st birthday, you may have heard this before. (laughs) I'm in this church and and my sister-in-law is being baptized and the preacher's preaching and he's literally pointing at me, 800 people, and he points at me. Young man, the spirit of God is upon you. And my brother, who was sitting next to me, started to shuffle away, literally on the seat. He slid his bum down. It was on a wood pew. And I'm all alone with this guy. Now, <laughs> he's preaching right at me. Because God is telling him, like, this kid's ready. And our uh, young adult. And I'll, something happened that day that I'll never forget. And I've told you this before, but it's so significant. You ever have one of those moments in your life, you're like, wow. So I'm in this moment, and I'm, I'm, we're worshiping. And I'm thinking, okay, well, these guys love God. That's great. I love God, too. You know, whatever. And suddenly, something happens, and everybody around me turns perfectly pure and white. I don't mean white in color. I mean white in holiness. And I am sitting there, standing there, and I'm looking around and I literally say this to myself. I don't even understand what's going on. I said, these are the holiest people on earth. How haven't I seen them walking around? And I felt like, you know what I felt like? A black dot. And a white page. And it was terrifying. <laughs> And I realized, I don't care, I don't know what these people have. I don't know what they've done, but I need to get what they have. And that old pastor came down and he said, can I pray with you? I said, yes, sir. And uh, because I thought I would die if I didn't. And uh, when when he prayed with me, he said, well, let's pray a prayer. My salvation prayer was, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. That was as holy as I was. I was like, God, this is unbelievable. I'm in. I'm in. Do whatever you got to do. I want to be with you, God. And right away, God said, okay, Greg, you're translated. Boop. Isn't that cool? So God gives us some analogies. He says to you and I, listen to me. He says to you and I, without God, you can do nothing. But with God, you can do all things. Let me tell you about that in a minute. He gives us some analogies. And the first analogy he tells us about the church is this. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you're the temple. What does that mean? Christ dwells in you. The temple is the house that represented the presence of God. And so not only are you in Christ, but you're also Christ is in you. You are now the temples of the Holy Spirit. And God has come into you by the power of his spirit and he abides in you. He resides in you. And I love this quote. I'm not trying to live sinless life like Jesus. Jesus, who lived a sinless life, is now living in me. That's a powerful thought. The sinless one has come into my life And he's saying, I am going to start living my life in you. Greg, let me out. Let me live with you. Partner with me. Let the kingdom of God come out of you. And together we're going to walk toward the victory of wholeness. And we're going to eradicate the sin issues in your life. And you're going to be transformed. I'm going to tell you, Pastor Greg, Greg Fraser, is a different man from 30 years ago. I am a different man. There are passions and lusts And things that are no longer part of my life, they're not even an appetite anymore, they don't exist. Why? I have been translated. I have been transitioned from sinness, from sin and from darkness into light. Now, why did I tell you that story 30 years? Because it takes time. (laughs) And Betty would say, you have a long way to go you're not finished yet. Amen, sister? And another thing, yeah, I understand, sister. The woman you put here with me keeps telling me everything that's wrong. I get it, Lord. So, <laughs> you're the temple, you guys. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. What a high calling. What a high calling. Who are you? Man, I'm, I'm a child of God. Man, I, I'm one in whom Christ lives. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who are you? Um, I'm Phil, I uh, live next door. Yeah, thanks, Phil. <laughs> Amen. You too can be the temple of the Holy Spirit. He wants to come and dwell. Oh, you know, I always say that people say this to me all the time. Oh, I, I can't come to your church because I'll burst into flames. I said, you fit right in. We're already all burning, buddy. <laughs> That's what the Holy Spirit baptism of fire is all about. So he gives us this first analogy, you're the temple, but you're also the vine. The vine, he says, abide in me and I will abide in you. To abide means to rest and rely upon. He is not outside of us judging us, but inside of us empowering us. How many know there's a difference between those two things? And yet so many Christians live here and they think Jesus is judging them and Jesus is saying change and Jesus is saying fix it. And he's saying, no, 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 you're already in me, you're secure, you're safe. You're in Christ. Renew your mind. And understand I'm entering into a partnership with him. Jesus said, gave them the answer. He's speaking to the crowds and he says, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. He's giving us a secret of how to live in the kingdom. And then he tells us plainly in John 15, 5, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So you're saying, Pastor Greg, the Spirit is nudging me. He's he's causing me to, to want to turn toward God every day. Guys, this is why we're doing what we're doing. This is why you gather in church. This is what you're being reminded of. You come to the house of God and you're feeling like you're here and God is reminding you you're actually here. And when you worship, do you know what you're doing? You're actually entering into a spiritual discipline. And what you're doing is you say, man, I feel like I'm here. God, I don't even think I can worship you. How can I be worthy to worship you? Get over it. You're never going to be worthy to worship him except that he has taken you into Christ. That's it. He picked you knowing every sin that was in your life. You haven't even gone around the corner. You think you're all that and a bag of chips. You haven't even gone around the corner and seen the real you yet. Ah, it's scary. But God has picked you. He chose you to save you, to change you, to transform you. This is the kingdom life. This is what it means to walk in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And every day the Spirit is nudging us. Every day the Spirit's saying, You know, why don't you spend a little bit of time in the Word of God? Now, why is he saying that? So that we can get over our guilt. Oh, I'll pray. Hoo-rah, hoo, hoo-rah, hoo. No, he's saying that because you're in the Word of God simply to be with Him. The revelation of the word of God reveals who you are and whose you are. Amen? You're in Christ. And so when you are with God in his word, in prayer, in worship, in all these things, all these things are just meant to open the eyes of our heart. Why do we sing that song today, right? About, about may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious toward you. May the God of heaven turn his face toward you and show you that he is for you. He is for you. He is for you. This is what you need to know. Constantly repeating this. Constantly being filled with this knowledge. This revelation. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. This is who I am. This is who I am. The Spirit nudges you, nudges you, nudges you. Now here's the thing. The Spirit's not going to take you over. He's not going to bully you. He's not going to shame you. He's not even going to punish you if you don't do the things. But He will constantly draw you, constantly nudge you, constantly pull you, constantly remind you. That's what He does. He's a good, good Father. Amen? Now the thing is, I don't want to push him away i don't want to push him away because then my heart becomes hard and it becomes harder for him to break in i want to respond to him daily that's what we're going to talk about in a second listen to what romans chapter 12 from the message bible says here's what i want you to do god helping you take your everyday ordinary life your sleeping eating going to work and walking around life and place it before god as an offering Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention to God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Religion, church, tries to change you from the outside in. Act, conform, work harder, try more. You're bad, be better. Shame, shame, shame. But that's not what God says. God says, live as to who I've created you to be. You are a saint that struggles with sin sometimes. And as you walk toward the victory with him, hand in hand saying, Lord, I lay this down, I give this to you, and I'm changed into your image. You know, 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us how that transformation happens. It says, he, we with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory we're being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We with unveiled faces. Do you know what the unveiled faces is referring to? You're taking the masks off. You're being real and being honest with God. Which is the third step toward transformation. You see, transformation happens not only as we renew our minds as to who we are and whose we are as we respond to the spirit in our life in this beautiful partnership that we have but it's also repenting of when we fall short. Now repentance here we go pastor now you're talking now you're getting down now you're getting down to it. Yeah repenting that's what I want to hear because I'm a worm I'm a worm just tell me I'm a worm you're a butterfly You're a saint. And you struggle at times by going back into the old narrative because of the sinful playback that happens in your mind. I can't change. I can't change. I can't change. I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm bad. God's saying change your thinking and respond to my spirit And when you fall down, when Greg Fraser goes into what the Bible calls his flesh versus living in the spirit or being led by the spirit, he says, just repent. The word repent is metanoia, which means change your thinking. (laughs) Because I'm tempted. When Greg Fraser sins, you understand there's two voices that go to work on him. One voice tries to get him to change himself and one voice gets him to try to trust God. Anybody figured that out yet? Amen? Well, let me read it to you. Actually, there's a scripture. It says this, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See, Greg Fraser still struggles with sin issues. He still has things in his life that are changed. He has been changed for the last 30 years of following and being in Christ. But he, but he still has stuff that has to change. There's still narratives. There's still sin issues. There's still broken life, And I'm, I'm telling you, that's going to be with me, some of those things, until the day Christ returns. But I have to learn and walk in the victory that is mine in Christ. And I'm slowly, slowly, glacially changing and transforming. And God is changing me into his image. And so he is with all of you. And when Greg Fraser falls short, when I struggle with sin, when I, when I give into that voice, when I say, I, I'm no good, I'm over here and God's over there and he's waiting for me to be better. When I give into that lie, when I give into that deception, you know what he says? Repent. Change your thinking. (laughs) Repentance is simply acknowledging, God, I have fallen short. God, I have chosen to follow my own way. God, I've been self-centered today. God, I've been selfish today. God, change me. Okay, get up. The Bible says a righteous man or a righteous woman falls seven times. But the Lord helps them up each time. Amen? Amen? This is who you are. This is whose you are. Why would I want God to show me where I fall short? Why would I do that? Well, because nothing but grace is waiting for you on the other end. If I will but acknowledge my need of God, if I will but acknowledge where I sin, where I fall short, get up and keep walking with Him and toward Him, God begins to make the change happen in my life and in your life. You see, godly sorrow brings repentance but worldly sorrow brings death and destruction. See, worldly sor- sorrow, listen to me now. Worldly sorrow points to you as the solution. Godly sorrow points to Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit as the solution. You have a part to play. Your part to play is to acknowledge that God is right. God is truthful. That's why we're constantly saying, God. God, help me to trust you. See, these two paths, godly sorrow leads us to one place. It leads us to life with God. It leads us to salvation, to safety, to wholeness, to know that we're accepted, that we're loved, that we're secure. We're in Christ. God is for us and not against us. That's what godly sorrow does. God, I'm sorry for hurting you, but I know that you love me. I know that you're for me. I know that you're not against me. But worldly sorrow says you better change or else. There's no life there, church. If you, in your own strength, got you into the mess you're in, why do you think that you, by your own strength, can get you out of the mess you're in? Okay. Betty, are you getting this? You and me? (laughs) This is just you and me, baby. Hallelujah. (laughs) Guys, you're in Christ. you one of the ancient practices of the church. The early church fathers used to do this. It's called the prayer of examine. And they would teach their followers every day to have a time of the prayer of examine. And the prayer of examine is found in Psalm 139, the very last part of it. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. You may have heard it in a different one. That's okay. This is the prayer. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift me through all my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on. And lead me back into your glorious everlasting ways. The path that brings me back to you. The NIV says, Lord, search me and know me. See if there be any anxious way in me, evil way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, church, that word everlasting way, if you study that word in the Hebrew, it's talking about a way, a path that is hidden. It is veiled. And what we're praying for is for God to reveal the hidden way. The hidden way is not that we're here, it's that we're here. And so Greg Fraser every day has to be reminded that he is not here, he is here. That's my prayer. God, search me and know me. See if there be any evil way in me, God. And lead me in the way everlasting. Reveal to me today. And so what the ancient fathers would do, the early church fathers, they would say to their followers, guys, just survey your day. Go through your day. Ask God to reveal to you where he met you today. Where you saw him today. And if you'll pray that prayer, I'm telling you, God will answer you. And you'll see it in the people you met You'll see it in the customers you served. You'll see it in how you responded to somebody at work, how you responded in your family. And he'll also show you where you didn't follow him. Oh, God, I had an opportunity to love my wife and serve my wife, and I was selfish. Oh, God, forgive me. Help me, Lord. Help me to respond to your spirit's and nudges next time and not go down that path. Amen? Amen? And that's what we do. And by the end of the day, we say, Lord, thank you. And then at the end of the prayer of examine, what what the early church fathers would say was, now pray that you will meet God and walk with God in your tomorrow. And that you will see him clearly. And you will walk with him. Isn't that a beautiful cleansing prayer? How many of you know repentance is the most beautiful bath that you ever get? It's like, wash me clean. Jesus said this. Remember, he's talking to Peter, and he says, he's washing the disciples' feet, and uh, he starts washing their feet, and uh, he, says, he says to Peter, uh, Peter says to him, Lord, you, Lord, you can't wash my feet. I, I won't let you wash my feet. And Peter sa- he says to Peter, Jesus says, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you can have no part of me. And then Peter, of course, the extremist says, then wash my whole body. Wash every part of me, Lord. And he's like, dude. That's why the hands are like, whoa, Peter. You know what he says? He says, Peter, he who has had a bath only needs his feet cleansed. And what is Jesus talking about? Your feet represent the point of contact with the world. And he's saying, guys, you've had a bath. You've been translated into the sun. But you still need to live A lifestyle of understanding there are times when you're gonna need your feet washed. Because you're still at times walking in this world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. Are you following me? And so the greatest part of your day can be Jesus, where do I need my feet washed today? Because there's nothing but grace waiting for you on the other side, you guys. There's not judgment, there's not anger. There's not hatred. God is for you and not against you. Amen? So this is the invitation. I'm going to ask the band to come back. We need our minds renewed. Constantly. You okay? You good? <laughs> Sorry, I just have to. Yeah. Yeah. We need our minds renewed. Amen, church? We need to respond to the Spirit's daily invitation into partnership. Greg Fraser has been invited into a partnership with God. Life with God. That's the whole Bible, by the way. Life with God. Life with God. What's life with God like? Well, he's a stronger partner than you. He's more gracious than you. And when you fall short, all he's asking you is change your thinking. Repent. Come back home. Come back to the place of life. Come back to the place of honesty and brokenness and vulnerability. How desperately we need to be honest with each other. How desperate we need to be honest about where we're so broken still. So disconnected from God still. Where we think we can't do it on our own still. Can we just be honest with God with that? This is why the church is so powerful, so beautiful, so important. You are loved. God is for you. He's not against you. Stop walking in brokenness and walk in the victory and the life. And when you stumble, get up. When you stumble, get up. And if you stumble seven times, get up every time. Because you're going to stumble. Amen? And God says you're still righteous. You're still in my son. You're still with me. See, my life, Greg Fraser's life, you know what I realized? Uh, I got tired of sin because sin always produced brokenness in me. It wasn't that God wouldn't forgive me when I sinned and blew it. It's that I actually became sick of it. I just didn't want it anymore. I was like, this sucks. There's no life here. It promises life and then it delivers death. I want to live life to life, not death to life, death to life, death to life. I want life, 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 life. And if I stumble, get up. Amen? Okay. Let's pray a prayer, and we then we're going to sing a song. Let's move this so we can see our beautiful keyboardist. Her life is hidden in Christ. Isn't that good? Amen. It's always a biblical illustration right in front of you if you're just looking for it. Hey. Why don't you bow your heads with me? First and foremost, I'm going to speak to you that are believers and followers of Jesus Christ. If you're watching online, I'm speaking to you right now. If you're saying, Pastor Greg, I have tried so hard to be a good Christian. I'm separated. I feel like I'm that one that's standing next to Jesus and Jesus is very disappointed in me because I always blow it. I always fail. So I just feel like there's no point. You know, that's the Most Christians feel that way if they really have an honest moment. But that's not who you are. You've been translated from darkness and brought into the light. So let's start with our first step of repentance, of changing our thinking. Saying, God, I need to start seeing myself more accurately. I need to see myself in Christ. Not a sinner, but a saint still struggles with sin. If that's you here today, raise your hand and give me a wave. Believers, yes, many of us are raising our hands. Online, see your hand by faith. Lots of us raising our hands. Amen. Lastly, if you're here today and you're saying, I, I've never come into Christ, I've tried this religious thing, I, I've never really asked Jesus to come into my life, I've never asked him to forgive my sins, I've never been born again, I've never invited his Holy Spirit to come into my life. Many of us had to make that decision. For me, it was on that, that eight days before my 21st birthday with my, with my sister-in-law's baptism and that old preacher preaching at me, I had to say yes to God. I had to say yes to God. I had to open the door. You see, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking, but the key is on the inside. It's locked on the inside. You've got to open the door. And This is the first step of repentance. This is the first step of transformation is that you need God to come in to your life and you need to go into Christ by simply asking for his help. And if that is you here today, be bold. I remember that day when I was in that service, the weight of the world was on my shoulders. I felt like I was being pushed through my seat and everything in me to raise my hand to ask Jesus to come into my life. But the moment I did, it's like the weight of the world came off of me. And if that is you here today, I want you to be bold. Jesus went to the cross for you. You can raise your hand for him and acknowledge him today. If that's you, give me a wave and we're going to pray together with you. you're watching online and you are that person that God is speaking to right now and you've you've said, man I I need this I need to make a decision for Jesus we're going to pray a prayer right now, all of us are joining you in the auditorium right now and if you've ever prayed this prayer you're going to pray together with the people that are praying online right now, say Heavenly Father Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me. I ask you to forgive my sins and help me to live with you and for you and in you. In Jesus' name. Amen? Let's give the Lord Jesus Christ a hand clap today. We're going to sing this song, this beautiful, beautiful scripture, and the lyrics go, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious toward you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. That word peace is the word wholeness, life and life abundant, fullness of the life of God. Amen. Is Shalom. It's a beautiful word. This is what God wants to give you. But first you need his grace. The word grace means the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. It's God influencing me, God revealing himself to me and reminding me of who I am and what I'm becoming. Amen. So when you pray this prayer, pray for me. I'll pray for you as you sing that God will reveal. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing this song together. Amen and amen. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord turn his face toward you. And give me. Sing that again. Lord bless you
1: and
0: keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord turn his face toward you and pour upon you right now. Be open to receive. Oh, Lord, we Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, shine your face upon the church. Reveal your kingdom and reveal your glory to each one of these members, Lord God. May they walk out of here in the victory and the power of the Holy Spirit. May they know you, walk with you, walk in glory, walk in peace, walk in joy, walk in righteousness, Lord God. For you are good and you are for them and not against them, Lord so, Lord, I bless them with the revelation of your grace. In the mighty name of Jesus, the church said amen. Let's give the Lord Jesus Christ a hand clap today. If you need prayer, William is going to be over there, I think, and some other people that are going to be able to pray with you. We'd love you to go to the cross. If you want somebody to pray together with you, God bless you. Go in the grace and the peace and the power of God. If not, you can go buy some delicious treats and stock up and tell everybody you baked them for Christmas, but you really bought them here. It's all good. No one's going to tell on you. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you one more time. Let's give it up for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.